last week and live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump, or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it eight 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 money pit. The money pit is presented by the Angie app, Dice Coatings, and Dab. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Here to help you get the projects you want to get done around your house. So you need help solving a do-it-yourself dilemma? You got a decor challenge? You want to tackle a project you don't know where to begin? Or, and this is the worst part, you started a project with all the good intentions and then you got stuck because you ran into something that was unexpected. Well, that happens. And if any of those describe the state of your home improvements, you can reach out to us with those questions, and we will do our best to get you moving again. A couple of ways to do that. You can call us at 888-MONEYPIT or just go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button. Coming up on today's show, are you guys overflowing with yard tools, pool toys, lawn chairs, or kids' bikes? Well, then you might be ready to build a shed. Whether you want to store that overflow or create the perfect man cave or she shed or we shed, Shed projects are more popular than ever, so we're going to have some pro tips to help you do it right. Yeah, and maybe we'll come up with like a new nickname for a different type of shed. I feel like we they just... definitely need one. <laughs> it's we a good need, thing We definitely do. need one. <laughs> also, ahead, guys, are you shopping for a new home or apartment? If so, the Department of Energy says just four parts of that home can cause your energy bills to skyrocket. So we're going to share those tips just ahead. And did you know that slips and falls cause more than 1 million visits to the emergency room every year? We're going to share a super durable new anti-slip product that can make both indoor and outdoor surfaces safer and a lot more attractive. But first, we know taking care of a home can be a combination of love, pride, and heart-stopping fear. But we promise to help you plan, save your money, and spare you from all those home improvement snafus. So reach out with your questions, and together we're going to help you create your best home ever. So reach out right now at one eight 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 money pit or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Click the blue microphone button and record your question for the fastest possible response. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Tim in Iowa has a wood finishing question. How can we help you? Uh, I've got an old house. It's got fur floors. Uh, I've, I've acquired some uh, reclaimed reclaim fur flooring to put in an addition. Uh, to try and match it up with the rest of the house. Question I have is this is going to be the first floor that I re, you know, uh, redo in the house. So I kind of wanted to, whatever I do, I want to do it in the rest of the house. But the question I have is on the clear finish. Uh, I know a lot of different companies are making a water-based clear. Uh, and my second question is whether, you know, or as far as durability, whether, whether something of that product would be durable. And then also I have a couple of dogs that I'm worried about um nail scratches um as far as sheen goes uh i know the shiner it is the easier the, the more scratches you can see so i'm curious if there's anything out there that shines good and will resist scratches yeah i mean i have always felt that oil-based floor finishes are, are key anytime i've tried to use a water-based floor finish it doesn't seem to have the durability so i would definitely recommend an oil-based floor finish like a, a polyurethane in terms of sheen I think that semi-gloss is what you want, not high-gloss, because that does show, not only does it show scratches, it shows a lot of dirt easier, but semi-gloss or satin is a nice color to have. So I think the answer is 
oil-based satin polyurethane is the solution. Is there any kind of a two-part epoxy one that's even more durable than the polyurethane? Or There are. There are two-part finishes like that. Uh, professional floor installers uh, do use those like when they do like sort of gym floors and that kind of stuff. But it's not sort of an over-the-counter purchase. You'd have to go to a, a flooring finish supply company. Well, yeah, and that's going to have to be applied in a manner where you're really thinking about ventilation and you know, protection of yourself, because that's a fairly caustic material. All right. Thank you very much, guys. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Fonda in South Dakota, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? We are demolishing our old deck that leads to an old patio at the ground level. And um, the old patio has two substrates. You lead down to a plank patio. It's like wood, a two by sixes, I think, which is an awful shape. It's probably 30 feet by 30 feet. And then it butts up to a pretty substantial cement pad that's 20 feet by 20 feet. And we know we're going to demo the wood pad, but it's the question is, what do we put in? Do we have to top up the old cement pad, which is in great shape because it's so substantial? Or can we put in another cement pad next to it for the new patio? Can you go over the old cement with something and stamp it or make it just and then the other problem is it's it's square and I would like the new patio at the ground level to be rounder and curvier one idea that I have straight off is to go over the old patio with brick pavers and if the patio is flat and strong and solid there's no reason you can't put pavers on top of that and so you could basically create a do almost a patio makeover by preserving the concrete and putting brick pavers right over the concrete, they're all going to assemble together. You won't see them when they're done. Now, you mentioned changing the shape. That, of course, is a little more complicated because you're going to have to build up to the edges. Part of the patio would be uh, over concrete, and part of the patio would be over uh, traditional built-up stone, if that's possible. But if you want to avoid changing the shape, then it becomes a very easy project to do it with brick pavers. And of course, you have lots and lots and lots of choices on shapes and colors and all of that that you, you could go with. And on the side that's not cement, what's under the brick pavers? On the side that's not cement, what's under the brick pavers is this. First of all, you dig out, obviously, all the grass and that sort of thing. Then you put down um, about four to six inches of uh, gray gravel. You tamp that down really, really, really well. Then on top of that, you lay some sand, get that nice and flat. On top of that, you put the brick pavers, and then you put additional sand in between. But tamping and pre- properly preparing that ground and tamping that stone really well is critical because if you don't, it gets all roly-poly over the years and weeds start to grow up through it. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome, Fonda. Good luck with that project. Just in time for summer. 888 Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Hey there. We hope you're enjoying this episode of our podcast. If you are, you know what would totally make our day is if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely. Just go to moneypit.com slash review and let the world know how much you enjoy our home improvement tips and tricks. And you might even win a copy of our book. Now we've got Rob in Iowa, whose basement walls seem to be um, coming in on themselves. What is going on at your Money Pit? I've got uh, some some basement walls that are heaving in, and uh, I need a, I need a permanent solution that's not going to bankrupt me. Okay. Uh, basically, what I've got is I've got some some wall anchors that have been installed about uh, seven years ago. Uh, I've been keeping those tight, and the walls are still heaving in. We had a, a drought here in Iowa last summer. And this year we've had quite a bit of rain. So uh, walls are, are bowing in up to two inches in places. I'm wow. getting a little worried. Yeah. If your walls are bowed in two inches, Rob, unfortunately, you've got a very serious problem on your hands that is not only impacting the structure of your home, but also the value of your home. And if the walls have gotten that bad, you know, we are well beyond the do-it-yourself fix stage. I can provide you some basic information about why this might be happening. Generally, the reason walls will heave is because you get a lot of water that collects around the foundation perimeter, especially if you don't have terrific drainage. If the drainage is flat, if the gutters are dumping near the corners of the foundation, which is where most gutter contractors leave them, that water collects into the soil. In the wintertime, it freezes, expands, and then slowly but surely sort of ratchets that wall out. Now, if yours have gone to the point where they're two inches out of plumb, this is a problem. So the way I would address this, and I would I would do it very specifically and very strategically, is, is as follows. I would retain a structural engineer to examine the problem and specify a repair. It's very important that you just don't call a contractor for this because if they don't have the pedigree of, a, of an engineering degree, it's not going to hold water when it comes time to sell your house. So I would hire an engineer to analyze the problem and design the solution. And you could talk cost concerns with your engineer and options and, and all of that. Once you have that plan in place, at that point in time, you can make the decision as to whether or not you're going to do it yourself, which may be more possible with the plan than, than not, or whether or not you're going to hire a pro. But however you get it done, the third and most important final step is to have the engineer come back and examine the work and then give you an additional letter that says, yes, I, you know, I, I identified this problem and I designed a fix and I inspected the fix and it's done correctly and there's like nothing further to worry about. Because ultimately, if you go to sell your house, the buyers are going to bring up this issue. You want to have that sort of pedigree in your hand so that you can prove that it was a repair of that, yes, was structural in nature, but was repaired correctly. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a very interesting approach. I have one kink to throw at you, and that is uh, the wall anchor system that's installed was warrantied, and uh, the owner of that company came out and said that, you know, he'll warranty the system, and he's willing to put in, like, three more anchors, which, in my mind, is an admission of liability. Um, 
do I do I let him do that, or do I need to get the structural engineer first? Um, is this wall anchor contractor a structural engineer? I doubt it. Stop the repair process. Get the engineer. If the engineer thinks that's a good idea, then that's a different story. But um, warrantying doesn't necessarily mean we put more in. If 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 the product failed and your walls continued to bow as a result, then um, you know his liability, depending on where these walls were when he first put the system in and guaranteed that they were going to stop the, the walls from buckling in, you know his 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 liability could be significant. Uh, but I would get the engineer in first. And let's get some good impartial expert advice here from somebody that does not have um, a, a system to sell you. I don't want you to get advice from somebody. Sometimes contractors give you advice from pe- people that uh, either because they sell the system. Yeah, you know, I, you got a problem. I'm just the guy to fix it for you. You know, and that's not really good expert in, independent advice. So go to the engineer first, Rob, and then you can deal with the contractor issue after you have the information. Okay. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, homeowners have always had sort of a love-hate relationship with backyard sheds. You know, we love the extra storage space, but we hate the way they look. And building one is not as easy as it seems, and maintaining a shed is a job that just feels like it never ends. But whether you're a little tight on outdoor storage or you want to build a she shed or a man cave or a wee shed or whatever else we're going to call it, there are four important things to consider. Yeah, that's right. So first, let's keep the costs in mind because the average cost to build a shed is somewhere between about $800 and $3,000, depending on the materials you choose and whether you choose to DIY it or to hire a pro. But whether you decide to hire a professional or you're going to go it alone, there are a few basic questions you need to ask yourself before you start shopping. So, for example, think about the size and the style of the shed. you need something simple and utilitarian or do you want something like decorative and frilly and cool looking? There are a lot of different styles and sizes out there. You want to evaluate your home and property to determine the best style for your needs. Now, one trick is to make the design sort of fit in, is to choose a style that matches your home's roof line. If your home has a gabled roof, building a shed with a barn-style roof is going to look out of place. Now, if you have a tight budget, you can design a simple shed that gets the job done without all of those frills. And if you've got extra wiggle room, you can look for added features such as windows to help bring in light, integrated shelving inside, decorative trim on the exterior, or you can go all out man cave or she shed and add electricity, heating, plumbing. I mean, why not if you're doing it? Yeah. And let's talk about permits. I know that you hate to get permits, but check local building codes, determine if you need one to build your shed on your property. There are really two or three types that could apply, building, mechanical, and zoning. Uh, the building permit is just that. That's for the structure. Mechanical would be if you're going to run electricity or plumbing to it. And zoning, well, that's important because it's going to dictate how many accessory buildings, which is exactly what a shed is, you could have on your property and how close it can be to the property line. You don't want to find out after you finish the project that's got to come down because it violated some crazy building or zoning ordinance, right? So, so investigate now before you start to build that shed. This way, you will be able to get right to enjoying it when you drive that last nail. Victoria from Arkansas Online is having a grout issue. What's going on? Well, you know, grout this, grout that, grumpy, grumpy grout. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, grout. You know, I hate grouting. It's real tough. But this is um, with granules in it. But there's just a couple small areas where it's fallen out, the grout. Okay. Do, do I still need, I mean, this is a pretty tall shower. Do I still need to pull out all the grout from the top to the bottom, or can I just grout those few little particles that fell out? 
No, you can definitely regrout those areas where the grout's popped out. And I know what you're talking about. That's happened uh, to me as well. Do you have some of the grout available, some of the original grout by any chance? No, because I bought this house about four years ago, but I found the same type of grout. But it is kind of like a sandy grout. Are you familiar with that? For a shower, you typically don't use sandy grout. That's usually in a floor where you have a wider joint. You want to basically use a shower-style grout, which is more of a powder than a sand grout. You can find okay. this in home centers. It's really inexpensive. Unfortunately, even the smallest package is going to be enough to do about three showers worth. <laughs> can I use the grout in the tube? Depends on the color. You know, if, if the color matches, I, it's really just a matter of getting the color right. I'll tell you what I did. When I grouted my shower, and I have like a bathroom, you know, tub and shower all together. And the last time I grouted that, what I did is I actually bought like three different grouts, one that was like, a little bit lighter, a little bit darker, one that I thought was pretty close. And I, I mixed up just a tiny bit of each to check, double-check the color because when it dries, it, it has a completely different color sometimes. And then you know, I was able to find the one that worked best. And in our case, we did take out a lot of the old grout, but, but our, our goal there was to really do the whole shower. For you just to do a little patch there, you don't necessarily have to do that. Oh, thank God. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm really (laughs) grateful that you guys called me back and saved me all that time and aggravation. (laughs) Oh, you're so worth it. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. All right, we've got Jerry in Massachusetts on the line who needs some help cleaning the basement. What can we do for you? Um, I've got some efflorescence on the uh, cement walls in the basement. For years, I, I, when I built the house, I didn't put gutters up. I had overhangs, and uh, then it started developing. Somebody told me, hey, it's because you don't have any gutters. So I put them up right away, and uh, it didn't get any worse. But I'd like to clean that white efflorescence off 
and I didn't want to use muriatic acid. No, you don't need that at all. It's really simple. First of all, the uh, the stains that you have, the efflorescence is just lime. It's mineral deposits that are left over when water comes through the wall and evaporates. So what you can simply do is brush that off as much as you can. Uh, you can use a stiff, a stiff like a wall brush for that, and then just use water and white vinegar together. Hot water and white vinegar. Vinegar will melt the salts. Do I have to rinse it down after? Eh, no, only if you don't want your house to smell like a salad. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not that, worried about that, but white vinegar should do it. Yeah, white vinegar does it. It'll melt the salts. It's a really good solution. Oh, I thought that, but I just wanted to check with you guys first. Yeah. You buy it by the gallon, you mix it with some hot water, and just you know brush it down. I'll try that. should work. Thank you very much. All right, now we've got Catherine in Arizona on the line who's dealing with an issue with sod. And Arizona's pretty darn hot, so tell us what's going on. I live actually in the mountains in Arizona, and so our issue is not the heat but the cold. And so what we've had happen is that we laid sod about eight years ago, and unbeknownst to us novice homeowners, it had mesh netting on the backside of the roll. And I don't know if we were supposed to remove that or something, but now the sod did not take to our climate and it uh, has died, and we would like to reseed or lay down some new sod or something like that. But in order to prepare the soil and till it and all of that, I just don't know what to do because there's this mesh netting all over the ground, and in some areas it's exposed, in some areas it isn't. But I just wondered what your advice would be. So the sod never really bit, so to speak. It never really grew through the mesh netting and, and connected with the soil below? Not not really. I mean, it did in some areas, but it just did not grow well for our climate. It couldn't handle the winters. It just wouldn't recover. Well, I mean, the first thing you want to do is a soil test. You can, you know, sometimes your county extension services and, and services like that will, will do the test for you or have a landscaper do the test. But you need to know what's in that soil and how to adjust the pH to get it just right to reseed. Yeah, to fertilize correctly and... Right. You know, otherwise you might not be giving it the stuff that it needs and it won't grow. Yeah, you're working blind. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is that the best time to do this is not the beginning of summer. The best time to do this is in the fall when it's a little cooler out because even if you did everything right and it started to grow, the intense heat that follows a month or two down the line will burn it out and kind of ruin all the good work that you did. So I would spend the summer getting the information that you need to kind of come up with a plan. Now, in terms of whether or not you remove the old sod or not, if it's really loose and disconnected and not really knitting and sort of sitting on top, then in that case, I would take it out and then prep the soil below. If it has connected, then I would leave it. Now, if you have sod, is it weedy? Is it also weedy, Catherine? There are lots of weeds. So it's not so much the sod that's the issue, but it's the plastic mesh netting that was on the backside of the sod roll that's there. And I just don't know, can we till with that there, or is that going to get all caught up in the tiller? I, I think you probably can. I mean, in my experience, those types of backers are designed to stay there and, and not be removed, and they just, they just sort of deteriorate naturally away. Hmm, okay. So I, I don't suspect that that would be an issue, because otherwise, how would you ever lay it down? Right, right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I didn't know what was supposed to be common, just that it hasn't degraded at all. Um, After eight years, it's still totally there. Well, here's an idea. One of the things that you could do is you could um, rent um, a seeding machine that that slices the lawn. There are machines out there that will actually slice it and and drop the seeds sort of into the slits. 
Mm-hmm. And that will cut through it. But really, before you do any of that, the first thing to do is do a soil test and see what's going on there. Yeah, this way you know how to feed it, how to take care of it, when it's going to want to be seeded. I mean, that will really answer a lot of questions for you. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and if the side, if you end up deciding to leave the side in place, and if it gets really weedy, one thing you could do is something called a Roundup restoration. You can spray Roundup right on the side and kill the side, and actually leave it in place. And then put the seed right up into the dead grass. It will hold it really well, and it will re-sprout, and the Roundup will not prevent the new seed from taking root. Huh. Okay. Okay. It's called a Roundup restoration. Hmm. All right. That makes sense. All right, Catherine. Good luck with that project. Let's hope there's some more green in your future. <laughs> yes, I hope so. Thank you. 888-666-3974. Well, if you're looking for a new place to live, you'll likely be considering things like the number of bedrooms and bathrooms, how much storage space is available, as well as your rent or your mortgage payment. But according to the Department of Energy, including the estimated cost of your future energy bills is also a very important consideration. Yeah, and here's why. The annual energy bill for a typical single-family home is $2,060 a year. So the energy efficiency of your future home is definitely an important consideration. Now, the Department of Energy says four aspects of your home's future energy needs is going to play a key role in reducing those costs. So let's go through some of these. Appliances. Now, an appliance use makes up a significant portion of your electric bill. For example, if you have a refrigerator that's, say, from 2000 or earlier, a new Energy Star certified model is going to cost more upfront, but it's going to use just half of the electricity of that old appliance. Now, windows also have a big impact on the effectiveness of your home's heating, cooling, lighting, even ventilation, which account for 40% of a home's energy use. Now, if your windows let in too much hot air, your central air conditioner is going to run longer to cool your home in the summer, and then your furnace is going to be working harder in the winter months. And when you're shopping for a home, look for double-paned windows with low-E coatings and good quality weather stripping. Now, let's talk insulation. Properly insulated Walls and floors and attics are definitely going to help keep your home or your apartment comfortable in any season. Now, most homes simply don't have enough insulation, but fortunately, that's pretty easy to remedy and frequently a DIY project. So be sure to check the insulation levels in any home you're considering. And if you can just insulate one area or add more, make it the attic. It really has a great return on investment. Yeah, and when it comes to the cost of heating and cooling, this is the biggest energy expense in any home. So one easy way to cut costs is to look for a programmable smart thermostat. Now, these can automatically raise and lower temperatures in your home based on a schedule, as well as the occupancy. So you're never fully heating or cooling a home when nobody's there. And lastly, one of the most important things to do when buying a home is to get a very good quality home inspection. Trained and certified inspectors can help you identify those big energy wasters and save you from those hidden repair costs. You can find a good home inspector at homeinspector.org. That's the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors. Elvis from Texas is on the line. He is in the building, and he has a question about plumbing. (laughs) Elvis, what can we do for you? Uh, My wife and I had a house built, uh, started back in early 2005, and it's uh, in Lubbock. Houses are, are made on concrete slabs. Yep. Before they poured the slab, they put in a all the plumbing was installed, and instead of copper plumbing, which was in kind of short supply back in 2005, the going thing then was called Kitek. I think it's K I T E C, and it's a it's a double walled plastic pipe with aluminum in the center. Uh, instead of regular connections, it uses uh, my understanding a bronze connector, and we've had a couple of small problems with the plumbing. But it seems as though I've read that the bronze can cause a desincification in the copper. 
And I'm wondering if there's been any studies done, if there's different fittings that can be replaced. If the plumbing has to be replaced, uh, it'd be very labor-intensive to go underneath the house. And we get down to fairly low winters, maybe to zero. And I don't think I'd want any plumbing overhead where it could freeze. Or if you have any suggestions or thoughts. Yeah, Elvis, the problem with Kitech plumbing is, as you suspect, the the fittings will leak. Now, what's interesting is that Kitech starts with PEX, which is cross-linked polyethylene, which by itself, and as installed today, is actually an excellent plumbing pipe with fittings that don't leak. But the Kitech system has definitely had a history of leaking. In fact, uh, there are many class-action lawsuits over that product that are active and going on around the country. You certainly should investigate those that you may qualify to join. Unfortunately, your solutions only include really replacing it. And what I would advise you to do is to only replace it where it's accessible. I mean, I wouldn't create the emergency if the emergency doesn't exist, so I'm not going to tell you to tear open your walls and pull all the plumbing out and start from scratch. But I would say that if you do happen to be doing a bathroom renovation or you open a wall and you find Kitech, it should be sort of a matter of course where you always replace it because it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. Not use on it here, but kind of what I suspect. Yep. Unfortunately, that's the case. Every once in a while, we get a, a, a building product like that, and I've seen it happen many times over the years. And there's just no way to make it better because at its core, it's a defective system. Okay, no way to just replace the fittings. It's just going to be the pipe itself too will have problems. That's correct. So I would attach it to a plumbing, to copper piping, or to traditional PEX piping. Okay, so I can talk with some local plumbers and, and discuss it from that point. Exactly. I hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, according to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, floor surfaces contribute directly to more than 2 million fall injuries each year. And most fall injuries in the home happen at ground level, not even from an elevation. So to help make these surfaces safer, you can apply an anti-slip coating. And there's a new one out from our coatings partner, which is Deitch Coatings, that makes your surfaces safer and it makes them look better at the same time. Now, it's called TrackSafe Anti-Slip Color Code, and it's the newest addition to Deitch Coatings TrackSafe Anti-Slip product line. TrackSafe is a great choice for all kinds of potentially slippery surfaces around the home. You can use TrackSafe on stairs, porches, walkways, pool decks, or even garage and workshop floors. Yep, and once it's applied, TrackSafe forms a tough, attractive, and slip-resistant barrier that really stands up. Plus, it also gives surfaces that are worn a refreshed new look and protects them from weather and foot traffic. Plus, it comes in five colors, and it's really easy to apply as a paint. You just roll on two quick coats of color coat, followed by a coat of Dice Track Safe Anti-Slip Sealer, and your surfaces will look great and be safer than ever before. Track Safe Anti-Slip Color Coat from Dice Coatings is available at Home Depot, Lowe's, and DiceCoatings.com. That's Dice, D-A-I-C-H, Coatings.com. Stephen, Pennsylvania, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I was listening to the program, I guess, about a week ago. And uh, you were talking about a, uh, a caller that was having trouble with her patio door. And Tom had recommended using white lithium grease to loosen it up and uh, make it slide easier. Um, an old carpenter's trick. I'm a master carpenter. Pledge, not lithium grease or silicon or any of that. Uh, the downside of lithium grease and silicon is they attract dirt. Pledge does not. And the trick on it, and it'll work on sticky windows as well, is you overspray it, spray it heavily, either slide the door back and forth or move the window up and down a few times, wipe the excess off, and you have a patio door or a window that will move freely like it's 
sliding on butter. That's a great suggestion, Steve. We appreciate you calling that in. Now, I, I wonder how long that will stay around, especially with a patio door, given its exposure to the elements. Any experience on that? Six months easily. Really? All right. Well, that's fantastic. Good advice. Thanks yep. so much for calling in, Steve. We appreciate it. No problem. You guys do a great job. I listen to you all the time and uh, appreciate what you do out there. And you see, Steve's a carpenter, so that's a professional opinion. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great day. Alex in Florida reached out to Team Money Pit and writes, I have a four-year-old central air conditioning system. It works well except for the front room of my house. It's always about five degrees hotter. Any idea why and how I can fix this? Yes. So here's the situation. You have to remember a couple of things when it comes to AC design. The amount of AC that you put into a particular space is going to depend on what the heat gain is for that space. So, for example, if the front room of your house happens to face south, that's going to need the most air conditioning. Now, this is something that should have been addressed when the home was built, since obviously the house is up and it's difficult to make those changes now. I'm going to give you a couple of other suggestions, one of which is this. Try to figure out what what the return path is for this air, because to cool your house properly, you have to not only send air out the supply ducts, you have to send it back to be recalled, recooled out of the return ducts. Now, if you have a return duct in the room, that's best. But if you don't, and maybe especially if that room is closed off by a door or some other partition from the rest of the house, you want to either leave that door open or undercut that door by basically taking it off the hinges and slicing off about an inch to an inch and a half off the bottom of that door. So there's a path for that air to be drawn back out of that room uh, and back to the system. You can also take steps to reduce the solar gain, which is probably worse at the windows, by adding some curtains there or shades, but get the blackout kind. The blackout shades actually do a really good job at actually reflecting all that light back and certainly not letting it get through, and that will be helpful as you try to improve the cooling situation. And finally, uh, you could contact your HVAC contractor and find out if the ducting system is controlled by dampers. Sometimes it is. Now, a damper is kind of like a block. Uh, it's like a, a paddle. It's round it inside it the ducts. And it closes it off, right? So if it happens to be partially closed, which can happen just because you didn't know it was there, uh, simply repositioning it could make a world of difference. And you can also consider adding a booster, which is an electronic fan that helps speed up the amount of air that comes into that register. And that's sort of be like the last step of if all else fails, because we certainly don't want to add something that's going to cost you to run. But sometimes that is an effective solution. So Alex, I hope that helps you out. I'm sure down there in Florida, you are overheating before the rest of us here in the Northeast. But uh, if you get it figured out, well, that's all good for the rest of us as well. All right, now Sue in Rhode Island wrote in, and she's planning a bathroom remodel, and she says, I'm considering replacing my tub with a walk-in shower. Will doing this decrease the value of my home? I think that's an interesting question, because as we're all aging and life changes are happening, you know, a walk-in shower is really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think if you eliminate the bathtub completely, it's going to depend on a few things. First of all, you're definitely going to limit the interest in buyers in the future. I don't think it will decrease the value of your home, but you'll have fewer interested people because they would think, hey, I really do need a tub because if you're a young family, you want to yeah, wash the kids, kids in the tub, sure. right? Right. And if you're older, sometimes soaking the tub is, is good and everybody likes a good soak now and again. So it definitely has an impact. What does the market call for in your area? And what the homes in your area that would be sort of your competitors, if you sold your house, what do they have? I think a realtor would be good to talk with about this because they have seen a lot of houses and they'll have a good sense as to what it takes to make your home attractive. All right. Good luck with that, Sue. Everybody loves a brand new bathroom, though. So that's always also a thing to keep in mind. 
This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We are just about out of time. I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to today's edition. We hope that we have given you some tips and ideas to help you with projects around your house. Remember, you can reach out to us 24-7 by going to moneypit.com slash ask and clicking the blue microphone button for the fastest possible response. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Live in a body pit.